our visitors that with so many options out there, they chose to come to our church. Welcome. And I pray that you all can stay for potluck afterwards. Amen. I only have 20 minutes of a study that might take more than an hour. So what I'm going to do is we're going to be doing um, in that mind up. It's a Bible study that I need everyone's participation. And um, in the end, for those that does not know the title of the sermon or the Bible study is, who can tell me? I mean, for those who have the program. I left it in the... Yeah, I heard it. Who said that? Are we the same? Are we the same? Okay. <laughs> Normally in a... In a in a good Bible study, the first thing that you start is learning the historical background, the cultural content of which this text was written. This, um, this chapter, we're going to be reading chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. It's only 10 verses, but then I want everyone to take a piece of paper and a, and a pencil if you have one. Get your Bible because I, there are going to be certain categories that when I finish reading the Bible, um, I, was, I, I was thinking to have you guys read it, but it might be distracting, or you might not, um, or I might want to ask one that speaks very good English with no accent that can read. I have a volunteer here. <laughs> if you want to come and or use the microphone to read all 10 Bible verses, and before you do that, I'm going to start with a word of prayer, because before we study the Bible, we always need the Holy Spirit's help to be able to interpret it correctly. And after the prayer, I'm going to give some categories that as you hear the, uh, Paul writing that letter, you start putting, pinpointing in your piece of paper where what he's saying falls in which category. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all your blessings. We thank you, O Lord, that we still have the freedom to come to worship you in your house. And as we open the Bible, we ask that your Holy Spirit guide us and open our minds, O Lord, that we can understand the message that you have for this church and for each of us that belong to this church, have come to this church as a visitor, as a guest, or as a member. We pray that if there is a... a if there's anything that will prevent us to hear your voice, to hear what you're trying to say, tell us today, we pray that you take it away in, in any way it's needed. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be, let me get my notes. Um, we're going to be having cer certain uh, four, four categories that I would like for you to start putting notes as we read. The first one in here will be, what is the objective? What is the purpose of Paul's letter on chapter 1? The second one will be, what are the major themes that he talks about, which is going to be on the second one? Yeah, thank you. What are the main um, major themes that he's talking about? 
And the third one will be what doctrines he brings. The, there's another one, but in chapter one, it is not there. The, the next category will be any allegories or, or parables, but in chapter one, there's none. So I just cut the, the space so we'll have more space to write it down. So I'm going to ask, um, I apologize, I forgot your name. Chris, could you please read all 10 verses? And pay attention, take your piece of paper, start writing down. As Paul starts writing his letter, what goes in which category? We have his purpose, major themes on those 10 verses, and which doctrine he, he brings. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 10. All right. <clears throat> Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake." And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were end samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, which he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Thank you. Okay, so I hope you've been writing, reading your Bible, start writing and making notations. What are the main objective or the purpose of this letter? Anybody can tell me. <clears throat> He's just while you're looking at um, the purpose or the main purpose of the chapter one, just want to bring a little bit of history. Paul um, was the one who, who initiated that church. Um, he, was, he spent only three weekends, and there were a few believers, and then he had to leave because he was persecuted. And then um, that little group became a church, and it's called the Church of Thessalonians. And then he was writing a letter to them a few years later. And what was the purpose of it? To encourage them. To encourage them? What else? Why are 
okay, and uh-huh, and he was acknowledging what? What was he acknowledging them that they have done good? They were acknowledging? They were acknowledging their, that your work of faith, their work, labor of love. Their faith? And the patient. And their patient. And there is something that he, Paul said that really strike me. That he said, you know, I came, I, I was going to tell you something that you needed to do, but you guys have done it okay. So there's nothing that I need to say to this church. Because this church was a strong church. It was a strong church of believers that they have done their duty, the missionary work. They have spread the word in the right way. I'm sorry? I think it's nice how they said they were close to the Holy Ghost too. So they okay, really Okay, their the faith. Holy Spirit, exactly. Yeah, Perfect. In your life. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Their faith. Thank you. Now, major themes. And major themes, there are several of them. And um, I, I wrote two, two main themes, which is in uh, verse 1, 10, 2, and 3, that he brings. It's very interesting. What are the major themes? In verse 3, what are they talking about? Is men of the, main, um, the, men of the objective was to acknowledge their work, their faith, their labor, their patience. That's a theme. That means that the word brings power from this Holy Spirit and they bring assurance. I think it's really nice how this verse, verse 3 actually says faith, hope, and love all in one. Just like first, or first Corinthians, I think it's 13, 13. Now these three remain faith, hope, and love. That's literally right there, too, what it brought. Okay, so the, one of the major theme is love yeah. and faith. What else? What are the other theme? The main Celia theme. wants to say that in the ver a, verse 8, the the word of the Lord has sounded forth. Okay. And also in verse 8, it talks about that he, they taught them well. They taught well the believers, the new believers. What about in verse 7? What did they say on the themes? Verse 7. The, the second one, they taught well to the new believers. And the next, uh, in verse uh, 7, what did they say in, in verse 7? And the reason why we bring those things because yes. chapter one sets the set the platform for the whole. That we need to be example. Example. We need to be an example, an example of what, missionary work, faith, love, and share that where to others. Thank you very much. Now, doctrines. What doctrines does Paul talks about in this chapter? Worshiping God, away from. Um, for those who need some help, I'm going to give you some verses. On the first doctrines, we have verse one and ten, and see what kind of doctrines you come up with those two verses, verse one and ten, which is one of the doctrines of the church. It brings us a view of whom. The 
It brings, and then very interesting in, in that verse that talks about the view of God, how we should view God. And we have, and he puts the God the Father and the God the Son equal. Okay? There's a relationship, there's equality between them. So all the doctrine that he puts in here is that Paul says that God the Father and God the Son are equal, right? There's a relationship. What about verse 2 and 3? That's the second doctrine that he brings, I mean third doctrine that he talks about. <laughs> giving thanks and remembering, maybe? Remembering? Okay. No, okay. I'm talking about doctrines. That could be an objective or, or theme, but the doctrine, doctrinal on the church. What was the other doctrine that he brings or talks about? The first one is the view of God and the relationship. The second one is one that we, have, we are asked to do a lot. What is that? It's a prayer. Prayer. It's the intercessory prayer. He talks about thanksgiving prayer, and he talks about remembrance, like what you said. It's all in relation to a prayer. So Paul is right there in the first section of his letter. He is reminding us, while well, few doctrinal points that as followers of Christ we need to have. So when it comes to the doctrines of father and son are equal, why do you think it was important for Paul to say that? Aren't, we already know already that God and Jesus are equal. So why does he have to bring it? Why does he, he make purposely, the way he wrote it in Greek, it, it makes the emphasis that they are equal, in the same level. Why? Because in those days, as always has been, even today, there is always a wave of the doctrine that's saying that Christ was created, that he's not a God, he's a good prophet. So Paul's so important to remind them and reminding us that Jesus Christ is at the same level as God in all practical purpose, in everything. And also, um, when it comes to doctrines and beliefs, what did they say in verse 10? Verse 10. What did they say in verse 10? Yes. Uh, they believed in the second coming. Second coming. Thank you very much. Thank you so Chris. Paul here in, Thessal in, in this letter of 1 Thessalonians, Thessalon Thank you. First Thessalonians, the whole, the whole book, he brings a lot of emphasis about the mission, about the work of faith. He talks about the love, that we are an example to others. We remind us that our belief, how we see God is very important in, in our doings. He reminds us that prayer is important. He, he talks about three things. Prayer is important as an intercessory prayer, it's important as thanksgiving. We need to be thankful for what God has given us and also remembrance. We need to remember 
We need to remember what God has done for us in the past because he will, he's doing it now and he will continue doing it later. So in, in the first chapter, there is a lot we can learn of what is, Paul is setting up this, this letter of, of the point that he's going to be expanding. So I really urge you, I really, really urge you all to spend time not just to read, but to really study it, to really study what you're reading. And if it takes you an hour or two to, to study something, it's okay. You don't have to cover the whole book. Just learn what you need to learn. If it's just in one verse or two verses, it's very, very important to really, to really, really study it so you will know what God is trying to do. What, the, the reason why Paul wrote this is the same that we need today. We need today. We need to remember as remnant. I don't know about you, but I'm sure that the second coming is very, very, very near. Very, very near. So if, if we are believing that God is coming, then we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. And Paul, the writings of Paul are very in-depth. They, there's a lot, of, there's a very richness in it. And the second comment is all what he's going to be talking about and what we need to do as a church. We need to be missionaries. We need to share our love to others, to be an example to others. He, he reminds us of all the things that, as a remnant, we need to know. Just in the first 10 verses of this book. And um, I still have a few minutes, so what I'm going to do, thank you, Dan. I'm gonna, what I'm going to do, I'm going to read a little bit about, now that I have a few minutes, um, I was going to read to you some background in, information about this church, where it's located, and the problem that they could have but they overcome it. He says here, Paul, two letters, the two letters of Paul written to Christians for the church of Thessalonica stand close to the heart of all who have an interest in the second coming and the events that will take place in relation to that climatic event of the world history. And I'm reading from George Knight, on, on, on um, the, an inductive study that he did on Thessalonia. He says here that the letters provide us with Apostle Paul's fullest description of the Second Advent and the great apostasy that will precede it. In the process, they supply us with details found nowhere else in the scripture. So if you are a believer of Second Coming, I think these two books, First and Second of Thessalonians, should be one that we should spend time reading it and studying it because it has everything to do with our belief of Jesus coming. On the other hand, what they do teach on the topic integrates smoothly with the snapshot of Christ's comings in all four Gospels. Beyond the scatology, that is the end time, Beyond the eschatological information that he brings, or which Paul is known for, there are other highlights that he brings in this epistle of the, for the Church of Thessalonia. He says he's featuring the importance of the apostolic word to the church, the functional equality of the members of the church. And it's interesting how he brought that equality 
in the church. It, it has a pastoral model for ministry, and it needs and the need of progressive sanctification. And I know for those who were here in Sabbath school, we talk a little bit about sanctification, which is very progressive, and it's needed to continue growing. And if there's a careful balance revealed the Paul approach to re redemptive church disciplines. In short, the two letters to Thessalonica provide a fruitful field of biblical investigation. As such, they deserve extent and truthful study. And I really pray that what I'm, this very small introduction will wake an adventure study of this two books. And I'm going to give you a little bit of historical background. It was written about 25 years after Christ. And let me share a little bit of the historical point of view. Normally we studied this first, but I just wanted to spend a little bit more time on how you, you divide things uh, on the book so you can go back and study it. This is just an outline, and then after that, you go verse by verse, and then you analyze everything within the context of these three things. So let me read with you a little bit of about the benefit of this church, the history of this church, and also the complication that the church was experimenting. And you will see that this complication is very similar to what we're spending, we're experiencing today. So when it comes to the benefits, it says here that It was a church in the, first, in the first century. The first thing to note is the city's strategic location in the Roman Empire. Thessalonica was not only the largest city and most prosperous city in the northern Greek area, but it was the first, they had the first class Mediterranean uh, harbor where all the shipmen had to go there. So Thessalonica was a church in a huge city, in a very modern city that was in the middle of a very trafficking uh, place. So normally when you live in a town like that, that means there's a lot of money, a lot of politics, a lot of power and control thing. So that comes with it. Now the, his the history on it, the strategic location of Thessalonica was not lost in either Rome or Paul and his missionary colleagues. Both will utilize the city as a center for their efforts in the area. In the year 146 before Christ, the empire made the city the capital of Macedonia. In the year 42 before Christ, Thessalonica became free, a free city because of his support to the emperor. So at that point, from the year 42 before Christ, all the way until Christ came, and even 25 years later after his death, when Paul wrote this letter, Thessalonica was a town that was free. So what comes with freedom? Let's let review a little bit, and with this I'm going to close. So when you know the history of what's going on on this chapter, when you do one verse-by-verse verse study, you will have more information, more richness. It will help you to see what amazing book this is. With so, so much, for those who like adventure, this is a great book to study it. 
is that to complicate matters between where they were located, the amount of people that was there, the richness, the money, and all that, the empire combined religion and politics. It was a union between religion and the government and the state. And because of that union, it became a very climatic environment for worship. That's why a few years before, when Paul and when Silas and Timothy went there, they only were able to spend three weekends. And for those three weekends, and they created so much problems, they were persecuted. But the little believers that stayed behind, they continued working. They continued working and spreading, spreading the, the gospel. And that is one of the things that Paul wanted to make sure that they know. He recognized the great work that they have done. The works, the, that worship was a political and diplomatic act that was intimately intertwined with economic realities or favors of the relationship between Thessalonica and Rome. So when it, when it comes money and politics, there's always, you know, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours, regardless of if it's right or not. And this was something in existence. The Thessalonian converts created a big, big problem in that town. And with that, I want to remind you, if we are faithful, if we are followers of Christ, it will come a point in time that we also going to be a sore for the polit polit politics and the governments and the church together. And Paul is already letting us know what's coming, how to handle it, and how to survive it. So please, I, I pray that, that you take time to really, really study and, and be ready and, and submerge yourself in this amazing story and these amazing letters that Paul wrote to a, a church. And my question is, as a church, if you are in your church or in this church, are we a church that someone can say the same? And I pray, I really pray that they can, regardless, where you where, where, regardless of where you come from. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings. And as we begin scratching the surface of the wonderful, amazing stories and, and information that you have bringing us with the Bible, we pray that we can learn how to appreciate what we do have, that you get, appreciate what you have given us. And really we'll take, it, take it advantage of the time that we have. Because whatever we cannot do in time of peace, we won't be able to do it in time of war. Amen.